0: Richard, I'm pregnant. <laughs> what? AJ, I'm 40. Oh, no!
1: Oh, those are the two worst things anyone can be if you're listening to this podcast and you were either of those things. Mm. Grow up.
0: <laughs> gross. I thought you were going to say gross. <sighs> um, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cold Pops Podcast, specifically film franchise fortnights on the Cold Pops Podcast.
1: Specifically... This episode, yes, of film franchise fortnights on the that's podcast. right. Pod-
0: this is a fortnightly podcast where every fortnight we watch a different film franchise. I feel like it is extremely signposted in the title of the episode but just in case that's the concept we watch we discuss sometimes We're those, those franchises with
1: those kind of guys
0: yeah sometimes these franchises are 10 20 films long and sometimes they're two films long and sometimes really... they're one film long <laughs> when, is, when have they been one film long kill bill nymphomaniac that's a great answer to what i thought was a question that didn't have an answer
1: it originally was yeah i <laughs> I did yeah. not go into that having an answer to back nice. myself up it was just a little no- joke
0: nice bro
1: oh thanks dude
0: um so w- in this case in the case of this episode we are looking at a two film franchise which doesn't really have a name it's not really referred to as anything and it's it's the most comparable would be the forgetting Sarah Marshall get him to the Greek episode, yeah. which was an original film and a spin-off, also in the Frat Pack crew. Mm. And here we are back back at the Frat Pack for the original mm. s- movie and sort of sequel. Kind although, of spin- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they call it a sort of sequel. That's their patented term that they yeah, made it's up. It's the
1: Epitower style, baby.
0: <laughs> we are of course talking about the film's knocked up and and this is 40. Uh, both directed by Judd Apatow, they came out in two thousand seven and two thousand twelve, respectively. They are broadly about, you know, just life, just just having fun
1: with just your boys. people,
0: people living their lives, slice of life, Absolutely, yeah. definitely relatable. Give that
1: life slice it up,
0: yeah. This is what every person goes through. That's what these yeah. movies feel like they're wanting to say. And we're gonna start off with knocked up, Rich. We're gonna talk about knocked up for a bit. Do you know what knocked up has on Rotten Tomatoes? What oh, percentage did critics give it a positive 69. review? Sixty-nine actually has eighty-nine percent
1: wow.
0: on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh what did you what is this what is knocked up even about beyond just, you know, obviously being a relatable slice of life? Yeah,
1: yeah. So we were all a twenty-three-year-old Seth Rogan at one point, and mm. as I didn't know you, I was
0: at the time, but in, in, in retrospect, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: As you will remember from your time as a twenty-three-year-old Seth Rogan, mm. uh, you you fucked Catherine <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Heigl, and she, yeah, you did not use a condom, and. As we know, in one hundred percent of cases, that leads to a pregnancy. What? Even though you two are, are not right for each other, you you were oh, not right for each other.
0: I didn't realize the fucking was involved. I don't know where babies come from, and I didn't. I'm only just now putting that together. but that's why. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. got pregnant. I
1: see. Everyone you've had sex with has had has given birth nine months later. Oh my god! And you just thought it was this wacky coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's a loser down as like loser
0: if i said sorry right if i said to that last thing you said if i said i gotta get married would that be a funny <laughs> callback yeah if you're like yeah, every yeah. everyone you've fucked has now had a child and i said i gotta get married does that mm. play does that fly
1: yeah it's because it's it's somewhat of a santa claus reference yeah. but it's also a kind of a good luck Chuck reference, yeah. Not really, but that was where my mind went.
0: Or Delivery Man, where Vince Vaughn has to take
1: his five hundred babies. Responsibility for that all movie should be called Vince Vaughn has five hundred babies. Anyway, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's Ben. said so that he's a he's a stoner. He doesn't. He's doing nothing with his life, and he ends up getting with Katherine Heigl's character Alice, who's uh, just been given an on air role on E. The entertainment channel, mm. and yeah, now their lives are forever intertwined because they have a child, and it's sort of the story the 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 overarching story. If you would ask Judd Apatow, yeah. what this is about, it's about learning to, it's about growing up, and it's about mm. you know putting away all yeah. your sort of childishness and stepping up to the challenge of being a father. Mm.
0: yeah and also so, we
1: meet this other couple leslie mann and paul Arnold.
0: yeah yeah they're the the sister and brother-in-law of Catherine heigl's characters who we'll we'll talk about as well uh yeah. so obviously you know 89 percent on rotten tomatoes i would regard this as the seth rogan movie like this was if you said gun pointed a gun at my head and said name a seth rogan movie i'd probably say knocked up would be my first you wow. know it's it's the quintessential seth rogan movie but this
1: would be well this would be what like his first leading role really it
0: was his first leading role correct wow. yep
1: yeah.
0: uh what did you think of knocked up had you seen it before what's your journey with this film
1: well seth rogan has been in a surprisingly few amount of oh no he hasn't never mind <laughs> well yeah it's like i'm looking at his his table on wikipedia and it has All it's right. like his director writer producer table but then his acting
0: table is huge mm.
1: anyway uh what, what did i think of it did you ask
0: yeah i did ask that
1: yeah so if you'd asked me two weeks ago mm. or any other time between 2007 Nine and two weeks ago, ago maybe <laughs> yeah i would have been too busy fucking <laughs> uh without a condom <laughs> and <laughs> i i yeah, I would have said, "Oh, you know, knocked up. That's great fun." Uh, not necessarily would have given you any jokes that I loved or anything like that, but I would have been like, "Yeah, knocked up. It's like a fun rom com, and it's it's sort of our generation's rom com, like this forty year old virgin super bad. These this was our when Harry met Sally. This was our Sleepers in Seattle when we were in high school, sort of age. Watching it now, though, I." I just, I feel like I've completely grown out of this film. Right. Like I, I just found all the characters so annoying and just so unlikable. And I know that it is this thing where because the characters are supposed to grow throughout the film, you you know, there are, there is supposed to be a point where you go, oh, you know what? I like them more now. And I maybe didn't like them as much as I thought at the start, but yeah, there's just no point. There's like very late in the film it feels like we're still supposed to be on these people's sides or, or like, yeah, we're supposed to be on their side by now. And they're having arguments and saying like, these horrible things to each other, which I know you say in heat of the moment, but
0: it's me, I, I would never Richard. Not to
1: <laughs> you. I, yeah, I, I just never sided with them. And it's one of these things and I know, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. The, like the kind of sexist reading mm. of this film that, that yeah, a lot yeah. of people call it sexist. It is one of these things where it's like, I hate it for making me sexist. And it's like, it's writing just the most annoying, unappealing female characters right. who, and, and not in the way of like, you know, you can't write women that are flawed, but it's like, you're writing women in a way that's like, this is why, if you asked a sexist, a misogynist to describe why they don't like women, you're describing the women characters in both of these films.
0: <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another, I guess, thing that you, you and I have been talking about uh, in our private chats over the last two weeks. Oh,
1: don't, don't leak those.
0: Uh, too long. Judd Apatow movies. Too yeah. long too long Uh, i read uh for this film specifically filmmakers brought champagne on set when judd apatow had shot Mm. a million feet of film which is a substantially higher figure than most feature films i'm sure substantially higher than most comedies
1: well yeah that's again that's the apatow style baby that you (laughs) you watch the outtake i think i have this on dvd to be honest that you watch the outtakes of any of these films, and they have, like, the linerama, I think they call it, where it's, right. like, it'll be a scene, and it it's just different readings, and Judd Apatow will be off-camera being, like, say this, and so once you cotton on to that, Judd Apatow movies are pretty fucking annoying, that, like- Are you talking about, be, like,
0: improv dialogue scenes? Yeah,
1: improv dialogue, where it's, like, the- I can only think of examples from This Is 40 because I just watched it. But um, there's a scene in that where Chris O'Dowd is watching this old band play. And he's like, oh, it's hard to enjoy music when you know every member of the band remembers D-Day. And it's like, he would have done 20 different old people jokes. Mm. Just, you know, trying them off. It's like, if you were to review this movie. Or like, like the, Actually, the classic example of this is like in... 40-year-old virgin, the you-know-how-i-know-you're-gay scene, mm. that it's like, th- this scene could have been... They, prob- they probably filmed it for like half the day and it was just them coming up with jokes. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's too long and it's not very funny. <laughs>
1: yeah, and you just let characters improvise at each other until the scene sort of just ends. And that is... That's the... I watched The Bubble recently, mm. well, or earlier this year, which is Judd Avatar's latest film. It was a Netflix film about... People making a film during lockdown and fuck it's, it's the worst film I've seen all year it's wow. and it's it's the epitome of you just let people improvise at each other and then you just eventually cut away from it there's no button on the scene there's, it doesn't end on a great joke it's mm. just two people who oftentimes aren't you know aren't comedians so they're not super funny just saying lines at each other and it's just it's so bored like the filmmaking is bored and it's yeah yeah the bubble would not recommend it. it's 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 i've schindler's list is funnier than the bubble
0: <laughs> the first time i remember seeing the wheels fall off the the improv improv script thing was oh, yeah. um this is the end i remember watching oh, one I love or two scenes <laughs> from this is, this is the end which stars the apatow crew the frat pack mm. and just being like this is not scripted like this is not clever yeah. enough to have been designed in a script yeah
1: i do i do love this is the end though okay maybe i'll re-watch it and hate it <laughs>
0: yeah that's the thing i was gonna say that do you want to commit to that do you want to go and re-watch it real quick
1: <laughs> no I, I do i do like this is the end when he's like i'll fucking come on you
0: that's, that's the scene that i'm specifically talking about that i didn't <laughs> like That's
1: funny just i i just um danny mcbride in that film One of the great character introductions in the history of film, if you ask Mm. me.
0: Okay. Well, how's he introduced?
1: It's just very, very funny.
0: Okay, I'll take your word for it. So this film's really dated, but it's dated not just in a a way we'll talk about soon, but in in a way that's just like, this isn't very relevant when um mm. there's a scene where ryan seacrest on e is complaining about jessica simpson and it's all like who are these people anymore i don't i haven't seen or heard mm. any of these names in years and it, and um this is 40 years similar and i mean i feel like a lot of apatow films they they stick themselves in a time period and mm. they go no this will be relevant forever and mm. they're not relevant forever I, I'd i seen this film once before when it came out, so I would have been 14 or 15 when I saw yeah, it. Yeah, you
1: would have been right in the prime age
0: for it. And the only thing I remembered was that you could get pink eye by sleeping on a farted-on pillow, and that has stuck with me all mm. these years. I've I once, always been cautious about that.
1: A girl and I once walked to a friend of ours' house because i think she'd had a fight with him and she wanted to go fart on his pillow and then we got there and he was he was away or something like that and then we got there and his whole family was home and so we just hung out with his family for a bit
0: (laughs) what a fucked up story (laughs) <laughs> sounds like a judd apatow scene yeah <laughs> um i'll get into my uh sordid history with this film in just a second mm. but suffice to say this round this this time watching i had a pretty good time i think i had a better time wow. watching it than than you did um <laughs> well yeah as someone
1: who really didn't have a good time and you had Kind of a good time, I think <laughs> yeah. Suffice it to say, oh god, my I need to grease my microphone.
0: Oh god, oh. um, I feel like I saw a lot of myself in Seth Rogan's character, oh, which isn't no. a good thing, but it is, yeah. I'm just being honest. Um, See, I
1: saw a lot of myself in Catherine Heigl's character <laughs> because I too. Have recently started appearing on TV.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh oh, you're pregnant. I stole Uh,
1: my wine from our drinking game episode. Don't do it. I forgot to bring some water inside, so I'm. Need I'm parched.
0: Um, it's this movie sent me into a spiral thinking about my own life. I think because it is about like who you are and and how old you are. And on the Apatow spectrum of age representation, it's interesting because at 29, I'm halfway between Seth Rogan's 23 year old Ben and Paul Rudd's 35 year old Pete in this film. Mm. Um, and so I was like, this paints kind of a strange picture of where Judd Apotow thinks. I sh- what he thinks i should have already done and where he thinks i w- what he thinks i will do in six years um i mean doubly so for, for <laughs> doubly so for this is 40 right and so i don't know it just made me think about things a lot and not in necessarily a good way but in a way that made me go like this movie is giving me something therefore mm. i'm i'm engaging with it and i didn't think it was a boner as no i didn't get a boner when would i have gotten a boner when they show the vagina, the baby coming out of the vagina. <laughs> oh, God, um, which is not a real baby. No, I've got that later on. Actually, mm, thought you might. Did you hear that? Hear what? Listen, <laughs> Richard, that's an alarm clock because we have to get to be up. Some
1: kind of bird.
0: We have to get up earlier <laughs> than usual this episode, so we can drive up the hills and watch the sun rise over problematic corner.
2: <laughs> Ooh. <laughs>
3: bet this didn't age well let's get a lap at someone else's expense i have to warn you this might get obscene it's the problematic corner where it's nothing pc
0: uh it, i think it's it's funny to think um and this is a content warning for all the problematic stuff you might expect to to be in one of these movies all right um it's funny to think of the frat pack these days. I feel like they have this image of these like liberal progressive Hollywood types mm. that you know yep. that's kind of their, their, their vibe they're cucks totally um, <laughs> but by 2022 standards I think a lot of Apatow's early work feels almost like right wing propaganda in, in comparison wow. most of his films as it was spe- specifically like the first half of his career there's a heavy focus on like traditional marriage as the norm there's the, the boomer-esque I hate my wife and my marriage humour that yes. is kind of pretty outdated now um, they they almost all all focus on like privileged rich white people who work in show business and rub shoulders with with famous people. Um, you've got stuff like the forty year old virgin, which emphasizes waiting until marriage to have sex, and then you've got stories like knocked up and this is forty, which both deal with unexpected unwanted pregnancies, and neither film really considers abortion. Um, and if they do, it's not really shown.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I remember reading an article in 2007 which i think i might have just found um on the guardian to just don't say the a word which is because jonah hill's character and this all is um ben's like seth rogan's flatmates are played by members of the frat pack all mm. just with their real names yeah uh, or their real first names at least and yeah jonah says something about like I'm not going to say it, but it rhymes with schmorschmorsion, mm. and you know they they can't even say the word abortion in the film. But this came out the same year as Juno as well, mm. which is another very sort of like anti-abortion film in a way.
0: Well, like like left-wing anti-abortion films, almost. <laughs> yeah. Also, Waitress came out this year, so three films about yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, unexpected pregnancies in 2000.
1: Yeah. But yeah, it is it is interesting because it's like yeah, you just. I mean I guess now you just set it in one of the states where you can't but mm. um, to, to you know because obvi- obviously you know for plot reasons you want them to have the baby
0: and this is this is what um, Seth Rogen and Judd Apatow have talked about in interviews they're like you, you know it's not Apollo 13's not going to work if the main characters just don't want to don't like rockets like mm. you, you t- in order Apollo for the story no, yeah that's true um, knocked don't up cry. knocked up has been put through the microscope i think for um these kinds of conversations um not just nowadays but even shortly after its release as with that that article you just referenced Mm. we've got things like uh leslie man character leslie man's character is Uh, anti-vax it's it's a throwaway line but it's like wow you really you just wouldn't write that into a movie it's it's yeah pops up a
1: few times in this is 40 Right. About mm. how she's anti Western medicine and Yeah, like, that's right. Yeah, I gave our kid antibiotics behind your back.
0: Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And I uh, I also the, the title knocked up refers to like own slave owners impregnating they're slaves as well there's a whole context behind it um, but I reckon that the most brazen outdated offensive moment in this is when again Leslie Mann's character's name is Debbie she calls Craig Robinson who's playing a club bouncer she calls him the F slur and it's <laughs> in such a deeply deeply repugnant context like it's mm. not like Bill and Ted where the word is used in a very su- superficial way and you watch and you go wow this was just really accept." homophobia was just so except Accepted that it became part yeah, yeah. of the, the the vocabulary of the day and knocked she's up it feels it a slur. yeah it feels loaded it feels proud to be a slur she's mad at him because they're not he's not letting her, in, her into the club proud um, to be a
1: slur the leslie man story
0: and i I just thought it was it was gross but the the most of of... most of knocked up's controversies um come from contemporary criticisms as you said before that the film was sexist which was fired from all sorts of places including you know reviews and and think pieces um actor and occasional apatow collaborator mike white the guy who did Mm. like school of rock with jack black and um, um
1: Uh, White Lotus as well.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, we, he, we will
1: be, will be taken to the cleaners if we don't, <laughs> if mention, we don't, mention, he, White don't mention White Lotus. Don't mention White Lotus.
0: He, yeah, he spoke out about it and said that he he doesn't like how women are depicted in Judd Apatow films. But probably most significantly, one of the people who spoke out against the sexism in the movie was Catherine Heigl. What? But she's she,
1: in the movie. She's the <laughs> she's the object <laughs> on which the sexism <laughs> is
0: could crafted. How did she say this? Um, <laughs> In a Vanity Fair interview, she talked about how she had a hard time enjoying the film. She said she liked making it, but in watching it, she said it was a little sexist and said that it paints the woman as shrews, as humorless and uptight, and it paints the men as lovable, goofy, fun-loving guys. Which no Mm. man ever is, really, are they?
1: (laughs) No, men hate fun
0: um and of course you know the creators filmmakers involved in the project and the world at large responded with grace to Catherine heigl's concerns and they use this experience to look inward and become better people and richard i've written here not
1: <laughs> very good uh, what are in you, response <laughs> it, this is 40 reference <laughs> thank
0: you very much <laughs> Uh, in response avatar did not deny what she was saying or or, you know speak against them he said i'm just shocked that heigl would use the word shrew i mean what is this the 1600s very this is dealing with the the thing as well
1: (laughs) is that like i i hate to use a word like shrew or like referring to the woman as shrill Mm. but it's like that's so specifically the motivation they've been given is to be shrill. And it's like, it's such an annoying dehumanizing thing to call a woman, but it's like,
0: Ah, th- like
1: <laughs> it's not <laughs> like, the women; you, you, it's the
0: men writing the women. Yeah, it's
1: the right. men writing the women.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he also went on to say that the characters in the film are sexist at times, but it's really about immature people who are afraid of women and relationships and learn to grow up. Nonetheless, Heigl's comments they got a bunch of attention. She was labelled an assertive, impatient go-getter who quickly tired of waiting for her boyfriend to propose. In a Huffington Post um, review, um, Heigl clarified her initial comments to people magazine stating that my motive was to encourage other wo- other women like myself to not take the element of the movie too seriously and to remember that it's a broad comedy and said although i stand by my opinion i'm disheartened that it has become the focus of my experience with the movie yeah
1: well this is because Catherine heigl is now forever labeled as difficult to work with mm. yeah, and exactly. there, there, there's there's other sort of accusations and it's like yeah sure maybe she is but it's like yeah, it's this annoying thing where rather than being like, "Well, okay, is the movie sexist?" and looking at it and blaming the men, they just hmm. go, "Catherine Heigl's a shrill bitch, isn't she?" Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and she's been blacklisted from Hollywood essentially for essentially for these comments.
0: Hmm. And um, there's a a Slate article written by Megan O'Rourke who talked about Catherine Heigel's comments and said that "knocked up" was, as David Denby put it in the New Yorker, the culminating artifact in what had become the dominant romantic comedy trend of the past several de- uh, the past several years. The slovenly hipster and the female straight arrow. And the Guardian also noted that uh, Heigl provo- provoked quite a backlash, and Heigel was described as an ungrate as ungrateful and a traitor in the wake of the mounting accusations of sexism um judd apatow discussed ways he might develop more authentic female characters from this however in 2009 uh while promoting funny people seth rogan was on the howard stern show and was asked about this whole thing um and he he said uh rogan pointed to heigl's work in the film the ugly truth saying i hear there's a scene where she's wearing an underwear with a vibrator in it so i'd have to see if that is uplifting for women which I'm my my affection for Seth Rogan makes me want to think he would maybe not say that these days because it's very yeah. like uh, anti-feminist.
1: Yeah, and it's just like girls got to get paid. Yeah, mm. yeah. Especially now that you know you've you've uh, branded her a sh- shrill. Yeah, shrill. yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um and Appataw would later say that uh you would you would think at some point I'd get a call saying she was sorry, that she was tired, and but and then the call never comes. So he was expecting a private apology from her that, that never that never mm. turned up. Heigel responded to uh Rogan surprisingly saying you handled that so beautifully and that she felt nothing but love and respect for him and, and that it was no so long ago. I just wish him so much goodness. Um so it's sounds like they're that happily work with each other again it's just mm-hmm. this this sort of edge of the 20 of the 2000s like just women are wrong and if they complain they're wrong they're mm-hmm. they are wrong they they should not have complained you know it's very it feels very familiar and very um typical of 2007 through to two thousand seventeen. Yeah, yeah yeah probably 20, me of it <laughs> yeah yeah I think Heigl is actually uh, the best part of the movie, which is absolutely
1: yeah. She's really good enough.
0: Surprising, she gives such a great performance for a character who is written so two dimensionally. Mm. Like, I don't. There's a point in the movie where she decides, no, we're gonna make it work, and I, I do, I love you, Ben. And I was like, why do you love him? What does he offer you? Yeah, like they, they, they don't. They put so much work into Seth Rogan's character journey in it that they forget to give allison a reason to want to him to stick around and to want to be be on board i think
1: what's it's that thing of just like oh he's doing the bare minimum now you know yeah yeah exactly that that's so much of it and it's like wow you know he as guys we're like we're supposed to be like oh wow he stopped smoking weed for a couple of days Mm. but it's like how how are people watching this and, and going yeah that's a that's a stand-up young man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when I saw this, when I was a teenager, um, I I really didn't like it. Uh, I was I was a yeah also, also I love yeah it. I was a deeply religious conservative teenager, as we've discussed a few times on the podcast before. Mm. And I remember my main problem with the film was being uh, was that it, it insisted to include weed and stoners as main characters. Something I didn't think was necessary. I was like, you just want to make movies about weed. What is mm. a movie about? getting knocked up have to do with stoners um knocked up was the first time i'd heard the names seth rogan and judd apatow and i actually spent most of my high school years insisting they were both overrated uh, the golden age of the frat pack i was the exact right age for through high school and it was wasted on me because i was like don't like them don't like judd apatow i did i did always like forgetting sarah marshall though so i guess there is always an exception Um, All these years later, though, living as what I'd like to think is a progressive, open-minded, non-religious person who I'm sure you would would love to call a stoner, but between you and me, weed is actually really hard to find in Christchurch at the moment, so I don't think I smoke enough to be called a stoner these days. It's one of those situations where now I still don't really like Judd Apatow, but for opposite reasons. Like, why
1: are you putting all this romance and pregnancy in your cool weed film? Your cool
0: weed film! Watching Knocked Up now, I actually really appreciate the fact that Ben and his friends are stoners, and I think it makes a lot of sense. And, it, and if anything, it paints <laughs> weed and stoners in a poor light, because it's using it to emphasise how unfit for fatherhood this character is, right? Like,
1: well, he is, he smokes weed.
0: That, that, that's actually good writing, not me being like, why is this in here? I think that uh, conversely, while the crass conversations and language used to describe women or the out of nowhere homophobic slurs, they only bothered me as a young Christian because the film was being rude. Because there wasn't more of them. <laughs> Um, And, you know, it was acknowledging women can be sexual, which was something I was uncomfortable with when I was 13. Now they're the hardest parts of the film to abide by. But the one constant opinion I have from my old self and my new self, I think, is that it's weird to make a whole storyline about Debbie being worried about Pete, that she's worried that Pete is cheating. So this is Leslie Mann and Paul Rudd peating um she's worried he's cheating only to find out he's been sneaking off to play fantasy baseball um and then later on uh in the scene which is like the scene that should have been cut from the movie to make it under two hours uh yeah, when yeah. when paul rudd and seth rogan go to vegas together mm. there's a scene where he, where paul rudd gets a lap dance from is it stormy daniels
1: stormy daniels who slept uh, with donald trump
0: yeah um, and
1: seth rogan tells the story about yeah. how <laughs> yeah she she told them at the time that she'd had sex with donald trump and he said that you know, a, a 2007 a porn star tells you the fuck Donald Trump. It's the least surprising thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what a great Seth Rogen! You've been hiding that this whole episode. <laughs> yeah So, so after making a big deal like narratively out of the fact that uh, Pete is not cheating, they go and, and he like shoves his face into Stormy Daniels' butt. Uh, it, it gets. This is cheating, I, like, especially because she doesn't like Debbie doesn't know about it like it's so oh, close what, to cheating
1: know, doesn't know can't hurt her eh? well it's very apatowian right leads, right <laughs> <laughs> like
0: do you know what i mean like it's it's so weird to then include that well maybe if it happened in
1: atlantic city but as we know what happens in vegas
0: right stays oh, in vegas. i forgot about that clause mm.
1: like did i tell you about what i um by to me in vegas no you said it stayed there yeah, exactly You're i didn't to tell me yeah <laughs>
0: i don't know i think this movie is very mismatched and it's it's a really interesting case study in watching the what were considered like progressive and edgy values in 2007 like following them to their logical end point and being like these actually aren't progressive at all this is actually quite a sad mean movie
1: well i think as well that even just since 2007 things like oh, that character's anti-vax. It's like, I mean, obviously that's a a huge one um, Mm. due to recent circumstances. But that, yeah, these things that are like, oh, that character doesn't want to talk about abortion. Mm. These were like, I mean, the the example uh, we've talked about off pod is like there's an episode of Scrubs where Elliot, one of the main beloved characters, reveals that she's a Republican. And it's like, this was before it was like, oh, if you're political alignment is different than mine. You're evil. (laughs) It was just like, oh, that's funny. Mm. She voted for a different president. Yeah. Yeah. But now it's like, no, if you're not with me, you're against me. Well,
0: now it's happening with Katy Perry katie perry tweeted out that she's she voted in this whatever the american election that just happened she voted for yeah. a republican at and, and, and entire oh, fan base are really? losing their minds she did wow. it in such a she did it like a, a selfie at the polling booth where you can see who she's voting for and it's like do you have no self-awareness katie perry do you do you really no. think like showing the world you're voting republican is going to go down well with people wow <laughs> Uh, Richard, it's time for your favorite uh, thing that I do that you never do on this episode on this podcast. Um, knocked Up is our seventh Seth Rogan film. The other ones being Kung Fu Panda one, two, and three, yeah. Anchorman plus Wake Up, Ron Burgundy, and Shrek the Third, which I do not remember him being in, but yeah, of course he is. Up, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it is our second Katherine Heigl movie in a row, as she was a lead character in The Bride of Chucky. And um, This is interesting That's because right, yeah. Psycho 2, which we covered before Chucky, starred Jennifer Tilly's sister. So, you know, it's a cool. There's a connection between franchises. Mm. Well, th- we we'll in to a row. have to
1: to see what our next franchise mm-hmm.
0: is. Uh, this is Jonah Hill's fourth film on Film Franchise Fortnights after Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Night at the Museum 2, and Get Him to the Greek. Mm. Uh, and how many films do you think we've seen with Ken Jeong in them? <laughs>
1: you got the Hangover Trilogy
0: mm-hmm. and this. Uh, no, yep. he's, in, he's in the Muppets. He's in the Muppets. He's also in Transformers 3 and Avengers mm. Endgame. So this is our seventh oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ken Jeong film. I thought that Ken Jeong and Kristen Wiig were the worst characters in the film. They They both mm. feel like SNL sketch characters while everyone else feels like I'm gonna say I think this is quite a grounded movie. I think the characters are realistic, and mm. not really caricatures. But those two characters, I thought,
1: yeah, Kim um, Jong's first performance, mm, that's true. But um, I do love in the scene with Kristen Wiig though. Alan Tudyk is very funny. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. As the guy that tells Allison she has to... I
0: mean, Alan Tudyk's been in dozens of, of movies. I didn't write it down. Yeah, we don't
1: but. need to go into that.
0: <laughs> um, Anne Hathaway was originally cast in the role of Allison in this film, which, doesn't that make a lot of sense? Doesn't that... Yeah, and I can see the DVD cover where it's Anne Hathaway instead of Catherine Hyde. I think,
1: she, yeah, because I, I can imagine her delivering all the shrill dialogue. <laughs>
0: um, she dropped out due to the fact that um, so Apatow wanted to use footage of a a woman giving birth, um, like a real birth, uh, but he had to change this to be a C. It's, it's like a CGI prosthetics amalgamation mm. um because of child labor laws in america required mm. the infant the unborn infant to have a work permit <laughs> yeah um and apparently Catherine heigl didn't want to be in it after that so she she left oh sorry Anne hathaway didn't want to be in it after that so she left <laughs>
1: she was like i demand that <laughs> the, the child works or i'm <laughs> not doing the film
0: uh, also auditioning for Allison was Jennifer Love Hewitt and Kate Bosworth. Christina Aguilera was a contender for the main role, but decided to turn it down because she was promoting her album Back to Basics. Oh, yeah.
1: When it says the main role, was that Katherine Heigl's role or Seth Rogen's role?
0: <laughs> a film where it's essential that one of the two has a penis. <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah, so that's um that's knocked up. We're gonna end with some dime, dumb IMDb trivia before we. Can get I also? To, I want to end with 40.
1: my least favorite line from the film.
0: Do you want to do that first, or do you want me to? You, you can do, do a now. dumb IMDb you, trivia No, You, you, you and go then, now. And then you we go can now. do
1: best and worst So there's a a line that's so clearly 80-yard. Mm. and also, actually, I, there's another discussion topic I want to to bring up. let Yeah. So when the the copulation occurs the the titular knocking up when they're making love and the camera pans out or, you know zooms out and it's a shot of the camera's moving away from them and seth rogan is the lovable scamp he is is commentating awkwardly their sexual encounter and he talks about how he's lasting way longer than he than he does and there's a line that is so clearly 80 yard and he says I just beat my record time. And it's like the fact it's so clear that they thought of this months after filming that scene had Seth Rogen in the booth and he was like ADRing his thrusts or whatever threw that line in. And they thought this is the funniest shit I've ever seen. I have to, we have to keep this in the film. But the thing that I want to discuss with you, AJ specifically Mm. you, because you're the only person I can talk to this about co-hosting a podcast about it. Is the titular knocking up? So he's struggling to get a condom, a prophylactic sheath (laughs) upon his phallus. Yeah, sure.
0: (laughs) Thank you for keeping it clinical.
1: And he's he's struggling with it. He's trying to get it on. And he's yeah, I'm 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 trying. I'm trying. And and she says the magic words. Nike built an entire brand on this. On these three words just do it i think she adds already just do it already yeah. and he says all right to hell with this prophylactic sheath mm-hmm. i'll throw it on the ground and he and he copulates anyway resulting in the the knocking up but it, is is there any world in which you would interpret that to mean take off the condom and have raw dog sex with me.
0: And it is the crux of the film. It's how they get away Mm. with a one-night stand, um, not being like a creepy, rapey situation. Which, you know, I can imagine even in the... The, the hardly progressive days of 2007 being something to you need to figure out how to write around uh mm. no i did think that as well that it's a very strange interpretation of just do it already um mm. i actually thought she meant just put the condom on your dick already. no but that's sorry, clearly sorry. what she meant Your prophylactic on your phallus already yeah
1: and that, that's clearly what she meant and i i think that it's insane that he would interpret it like that
0: I think that a better way to do it would have been like the condom breaks or yeah or you know what would have been even better if if Seth Rogan's shitty flatmates had like pinpricked all his condoms as a prank you know and mm. so it's like it's I it's, think I think
1: the condom breaking because it's like it's been in his wallet for so long and then because mm. there's like because you're not supposed to keep a condom in your wallet and that's a good like you know advice for the young people watching this right. but instead, like it's clearly just so they could have one argument later on about like no i told you to get on with it you said don't but it's like no it changed that argument to i, I thought you were wearing a condom i was and then he pulls out his wallet and he's like yeah look i've got one here don't you know you're not supposed to keep them in your wallet what they should nice. put that on the label oh my god nice. it does say that on the label nice. that it's like
0: that's it, that's such apatowian dialogue right yeah
1: there. And then you know this would this would obviously be four hundred feet of film just for this one scene. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, it's it's like why why do, yeah why is that the crux of it? There's there's so many better ways you could do it, and it seems to me that the only reason you would want to keep it that is so that they can have the argument later on where he says you you told me to just do it.
0: I think it's more like they're working around the narrative hurdle of how do they how do two young people not use a condom during a one night oh, stand yeah. that's what i think because they're horny like yeah that's true that's true mm. so you got some domain to be yeah so IMDb trivia, yeah, so, trivia is user submitted resulting in some pretty dumb shit uh yeah, here's yeah. a really funny one um, Ooh, Pete calls Be- t- Pete tells Ben that he looks like Babe Ruth's gay brother, Gabe Ruth. That's one of the hilarious homophobic yeah. jokes in the film. Mm-hmm. The trivia continues. Although Babe Ruth was one of eight children, he only had one sister. The other six died in infancy. You insensitive prick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Were any of those
0: infants gay, though? Who's to say? Mm. Yes, all of them, and one of them was wow. called Gabe. According to Judd Apatow, Leslie Mann goes out dancing without him all the time. For preparation for the 40-year-old virgin, to see how people get drunk, Seth Rogen videotaped her one night out when she was out drinking. Apatow said Rogen told him the hardest part of the night was not making out with her. Rogen mentions it was hard, he was just scared that it might happen what are you talking about?
1: Yeah. What is anyone it, talking about? The second was, was supposed to be a wasn't, I would assume.
0: Uh, he was just scared that it might happen.
1: What yeah, did yeah, I that, say? You, no, it, 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 it's like, he said it like, it was hard not to make out, the hardest part of night was to not make out with her. And then he went on to clarify, it wasn't hard. I just, I was scared it would happen.
0: Uh, it says, it, according to the trivia, it says Rogan mentions it was hard.
1: Yeah, well, that's the thing that I, I think that probably is supposed to be it wasn't. Right. I wasn't okay. insulting your delivery no, no, I of the it. dumb INDb trivia. I was insulting mm. the dumbness of the <laughs> INDb trivia.
0: On the commentary, uh, Judd Apatow talked about his own views on abortion, whether the film is an anti-abortion movie. Um, this is what I was talking about before. Uh, he notes that if she did get an abortion, the movie would have been much shorter. Uh, quote, I always wondered, do people who make are the guys who made Oceans 13 pro-bank robbing? Which is, a mouthful of a sentence <laughs> yeah and, and him and seth rogan went to joke about uh is harold ramus pro dispensing of ghosts um those are people's dead loved ones um he, he said then, it's, then it ends with yeah those are dead loved ones and he's busting them continues rogan evidently finding a topic he can riff on for another five minutes without actually talking about his own movie that's someone who
1: did not enjoy that, uh, <laughs> that commentary.
0: And this isn't really dumb, but it does segue us into the next movie. According to IMDb, Knocked Up started out its life as a direct sort of sequel to the 40-year-old virgin. Was gonna So Seth Rogen's character in the 40-year-old virgin was going to be the no. same guy in Knocked Up. Uh, this is interesting, considering this is 40 uh, released in 2012 is a sort of sequel to knocked Mm. up also directed by judd apatow what do you think this has on rotten tomatoes
1: 40
0: it has it would be good if it was 40 wouldn't it wouldn't Mm. it be like yeah this is 40 (laughs) 40 (laughs) percent uh it is 52 percent on rotten tomatoes what is it about tell me what it's about so um, we just
1: skipped over franchise, French wise. Oh, we haven't.
0: Uh, we'll get to it. It's part I have. I've okay. Well, kneaded yeah, it into the dough of this part of
1: the. Ah, uh, nice. Well, it's vanity anyway. Is the answer? <laughs>
0: yeah, that's what I wrote. <laughs> we don't need to do it now. He did it because he wants to. John Eppertown just makes the movies. He wants yeah. to. Which would be inspiring if he was a good storyteller. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, yeah, john Laporte returns for this film, uh, but yeah, it's Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann's characters, Pete and Debbie, who mm. uh, they've got young kids. They're both just about to turn forty, and they, they just kind of exist for a very long two hours. They argue.
0: Oh, they go on holiday. That in the middle yeah, of the film, that's about their financial struggles. They just go on holiday. Yeah,
1: and then they argue mm. on holiday, mm. and yeah, they come back and they yeah sort of argue and stuff. And then there's a party as well. A um, lot of arguments there, mm. and then they just kind of and then they just make up.
0: It should be bloody called. You ready for this? It should be bloody called. This is arguing.
1: Yeah. This this is this is. If I was a character in a John Patel film, this is how I'd review that film. This is forty more like. This is forty minutes too long. <laughs> this is forty more like. This is why I want to kill myself. This is forty more like. This is arguing. I'll use your one. This is forty more like. This is. Fortunately, mm-hmm. the last day of my life because I want to die after watching this movie.
0: And off camera, Jason Siegel is struggling to keep it together at this. At oh my god, god. he's
1: loving this. He's waiting for his one.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I thought this movie, surprise, Richard. I thought this fucking sucked. I,
1: yeah, I What's thought your, what, this was
0: so bad.
1: Yeah, you. I know you have an interesting story about your history of this film. Mm. So I want to just quickly get mine in here and tell Please. you. I think I've seen this movie four, maybe five times. What? I don't know why. <laughs> I, on it. Yeah, I, I don't know how I've seen this movie so much, and I and yeah, I'd, I'm not happy about it. I mm. think, but again, if you'd asked me a few weeks ago what I think of knocked up, I would have said, yeah, no, great, sort of great rom com, you know, and, uh, modern, movie it's for modern, it's yeah, a modern. Uh, rom-com. If you ask me what I think of. This is 40, I would say it's a weird movie. It's a weird movie. I don't dislike it. Hmm. But fuck, man. Like within seconds of the movie opening, I was like, I fucking hate everyone here. I fucking hate everyone. <laughs> I hate I hate Debbie. I hate Pete. I yeah. hate these stupid little fucking kids. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Again, I I also thought I thought everyone was an unlikable. Their actions often despicable. I thought um, mm, they should
1: call this film Despicable Me.
0: <laughs> they should have. <laughs> uh, it's mind-numbingly long, and to make matters worse, it's fairly plotless. On top it's of aimless. that. aimless, aimless yeah. film. Um, it is also it's so this is the one of the weirdest things about the movie it comprehensively spoils the ending to lost like yeah. the final moments of the show are spoiled the final episode is spoiled um and it, it goes too far yeah. like with the joke that they're talking about and this is like the ryan seacrest talking about jessica simpson of mm. this is 40 is that lost is a big part of it but like a character discusses like a thematic analysis of the ending in one Scene. and it goes past the end that goes past the point of being like this is funny you're mentioning something that that is contemporary part of yeah. part of my pop cultural experience to like this isn't i if, if you haven't seen lost you might be mad that it got spoiled for you and also you, it, just, it goes past the point in which a layman knows what you're talking about it's yeah. just like i don't understand what you're talking about and if you have seen lost it's just like why why did you so thoroughly why would, you, why would you spoil that for something yeah. <laughs> and it's so thorough there is no wiggle room I'm to the point where I'm not going to say what they say in the movie because it's too far spoilers for this podcast I think yeah uh so i've teased in the last two podcast episodes that i uh saw this at the cinema and walked out halfway through and i would love to be able to tell you richard just because i hated it because i do not want to give it the time or the day um but no this happened because i went with my friend who worked at the cinema and we we're in the mall and he just unexpectedly got 50 cent tickets because that's yeah. his discount and we went in and we had to do something in an hour and a half and so we only stayed for that long. I remember we got at least as far as Melissa McCarthy's big self-indulgent improv rant uh, before we had to go to leave to do something. <laughs> I do not remember hating the movie as much as I do now.
1: Yeah. Hmm. We were young. We were young. Um, You mentioned Melissa McCarthy's hilarious yeah, rant there. So
0: she is the mother of a little boy who uh, is frenemies with the, the main character's daughter and Debbie... Gives him a very harsh telling off and then uh, Pete- Crosses the
1: line, I'll say. Cr-
0: crosses the line with her and telling her off. They end up in the principal's office in which, um, what happens? Richard, paint the Yeah, picture. Melissa
1: McCarthy goes on an extended, threatening everyone because- Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann just deny everything going on. The principal sides with them. And so she goes off swearing and threatening everybody. Mm. Mm. And tell you what, funniest scene of the film. (laughs) Only redeeming thing in the film for me. And then the credits plays like the blooper reel of that scene. And I tell you what, it's fucking hilarious. Similar to (laughs) the Anchorman 2 uh, blooper reel, spoke about a wee while ago. Whenever I see... Like a video it'll pop up my recommended videos, This is forty outtakes. I will watch that scene every time because outtakes are funny. It's just funny to watch people laugh. And I think mm. Melissa McCarthy is hilarious.
0: I will concede that Melissa McCarthy's ability to improv is impressive and she says some pretty funny things in yeah. in the scene. She, yeah. But the, the whole plot line has got to be one of the most dated aspects of the movie, I think. It's so, so
1: stupid and I hate it, but Morris <laughs> yeah, McCarthy yeah, is yeah. very funny in that scene.
0: She she is talking to Pete and, and says, you know, your wife, and, he, and he, he like points at her shoulder and then she's like, you just touched my breast uh, and you assaulted me. And, you know, because this came out in 2012, we're supposed to side with Pete. And he's like, no, you're crazy. But it's like, oh this is such a gross thing to make a joke out of now like yeah. like yeah. the he the he said she said I, kind of situation. I, I will say
1: i'm not talking about that scene no i know you're not I'm but not i'm not defending I'm, that scene i'm saying AJ.
0: the whole sequence is like a mm. horrible dated point the, but when the, she
1: says she's glad the principal's husband died hilarious
0: i'm not made of stone aj i found it funny. <laughs> um, that that rant yeah where she, where she t- tells the principal that she's glad that the principal's husband died um pete and debbie just gaslight her and they're like no we didn't yeah. say any of this stuff and then they leave the scene all cocky it's it's almost hinted that it's somewhat like revitalized their marriage um and mm. i was just overwhelmed by how horrible people they were like what that's <laughs> they're the bad guys in that scene yeah, they're bad people. They're bad people, yeah. and I—I I didn't think it was—it was relatable. And I related to how funny I found it. <laughs> I related to how funny I found it. Okay, <laughs> I think Judd Apatow's movies show the man trying to cope with his flailing relationships i think he makes movies like this where the husband and wives talk casually about murdering each other or they screech at at each other or they do something despicable but it's kind of quirky so we quote side with them unquote Mm. Um, i think he makes these because uh, he's trying to normalize the kind of tumultuous family foundations that he has that aren't actually something everyone can relate to I think he's going. Am I right, forty-year-olds? And while I'm not forty, I'm like, this cannot be forty. <laughs> <laughs> this is not forty. Like it's just so disgusting in in areas. And I think, like, I'm I'm not saying that relationships are easy. I'm not saying I think that, but I'm saying Pete and Debbie are so unreasonable and so mm. unwilling to work with each other. And I don't think that is normal or relatable or should be encouraged, which I think this yep. movie sort of passively well, does encourage.
1: It's interesting because I'll say, Judd Apatow hates women most of all his wife, Leslie Mann. <laughs> Bush,
0: Bush does but, not care about black people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but so we've watched kind of... a. Or, like a good version of this film before. Mm. Mm. Do you know what film I'm talking about?
0: It's this is bullshit before trilogy. <laughs> it's yeah, this is this is <laughs> if if
1: before midnight was a terribly written, yeah, overlong piece of shit. Yeah, like in before midnight, every single time, like they you you get that they say stuff they're not they don't truly feel. And you you see the instant regret when they say things, and it's this couple you really love together, In knocked up. I'm just like fucking break up, and this mm. is forty. I'm like yeah, fucking break up with each other. You're not meant to be be with each other, and if you are, it's only because you're two the, the two worst fucking people <laughs> I've ever met. And like to to be honest, say that like John seems to want the entire world to hate Leslie Mann mm. every single time he casts her in one of his films. It's as, as the most annoying character which i don't know what it says about him what it says about their relationship what it says about her but to have a character played by paul rudd be such a fucking dick Mm. and then but one thing that's interesting though is because you have his dad is played by albert brooks who it should be the most unlikable character in the film but Mm. he's lovable because it's albert brooks and he does a great job of just Mm. being a fun guy there's there's a scene where he's talking to john lithgow again although he, he, he has a bit of a redemption arc but and he's talking to him about the fact that John Lithgow is a spinal surgeon. And he's and he's like, do they have hunchbacks anymore? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, well, you know, and he's like, I don't I never see them anymore. He says, well, that's because, you know, we have spinal surgeons. And he goes, ah, oh, every time I don't see a hunchback, that's you getting a little bit richer. And it's like, he's, it's just a fun conversation. He's a good mm. conversationalist. Like he's, mm. he's towing the line a little bit, but it's like, yeah, he's just, he's just a likable guy, even though he's yeah. this washed up deadbeat that leeches Tightly. off of his family
0: totally yeah totally i agree and i think like i'm not saying like that like movies need to be relatable but when you make a film with the title this is 40 it implies Mm. you're wanting to depict the quintessential slice of life snapshot of being 40 and having a family uh but i think judd apatow has been too lucky and privileged in his life and so showing characters who like own a record label and own a boutique clothing store and have these like platforms and positions that regular people strive their whole life for you don't really care that they're in financial trouble because well, yeah it's
1: a like, lot of it's oh, do we sell our mansion yeah, yeah exactly podcast?
0: yeah yeah and it's it's so funny that this is like this is what he thinks everyone everyone goes through and Weirder still, and this is—I know this will come up in uh, meeting of the elders—but I did have something I wanted to say about it, which was he. So the 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 family at the centre of the film consists of Paul Rudd, Judd Apatow's wife. Judd Apatow's eldest daughter and Judd Apatow's youngest daughter. So it is essentially the actual family minus him himself. And how weird must it be for Leslie Mann to recreate fights that you've presumably had with your husband, um, but with with someone. Like, imagine, like, they have a fight. I'm talking, like, in real life, Judd Apatow and Leslie Mann have a fight where they they get to the point of, like, would we even still be together if it wasn't because of the Mm. kids? And imagine moving through that. Then imagine two weeks later, and he's like, I've written it into the script. It was perfect. I yeah. love this, write and that I down, think write that down. It also speaks to how like unresolved a lot of the problems in this movie feel by the end. Like by the end of the movie, I don't feel like they've turned over a new leaf and now they're going to like listen yeah. to each other more. It's just like, Something no, no, we've seen happen this happen tomorrow. already. The cycle w- will repeat. Um, yeah, and it's a weird like lack repeat. of self awareness, and and yeah, there you go. Repeat.
1: <laughs> so, one thing I want to discuss with you. Mm. Pete returns in this film. Debbie returns in this film. Sadie, Charlotte, they all return. Um, Dr. Pellegrino, the mm-hmm. gynecologist, yep. is a holdover from Knocked Up. Ben is briefly mentioned. Mm-hmm. Is Jason, played by Jason Siegel the same character? Uh, because we also have Charlene Yee, who plays Charlene
0: in Knocked Up. She plays Jody in Knocked plays
1: Up. Plays Jody in This Is 40.
0: I, no, that she's Jodie and knocked up as well. I'm Pretty
1: sure she plays Charlene. I could look it up. I can look it up faster. No, she does play Jodie. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, th- I thought it was another um, another. Hey, here's this actor Jonah Hill and name. get him to the Greek situation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jason Segel.
0: Yeah, I think I think he's the same character. He's like uh, because in Knocked Up, he had like a crush on Debbie, and in this, it's like he's her. her personal trainer and i think there's still that like sexual not tension but like
1: yeah so you think he got clean yeah I do and yeah
0: I, I think that's implied because these still called Jason I think I don't think it's a creative decision of choosing which characters to, to bring back I think they were like well we let's bring Jason Siegel back because we like Jason Siegel oh he was in the last one fuck he could just be the same character who gives a shit yeah yeah, um, yeah. I hated Jason Siegel in this movie well, specifically mm. there's a scene where Jason Siegel and Chris O'Dowd who is um, one of Pete's employees at the record label um, they are competing for me fox's attention who is who is great in this film also. working at at their boutique store and i hate any like you know scene where two men are vying for the same woman It makes me uncomfortable especially because mm. when it's happened to me in real life i just bow out You've <laughs> like, always I, that's not, i've always lost i've always lost like, as i get so uncomfortable no then, I, I would have then... won but i've bowed out. <laughs> and i hate that uh jason siegel comes out on top as well like he quote unquote wins the the
1: yeah well he, he wins the object that is megan fox
0: like isn't jason siegel's whole thing that he's like hollywood ugly like it's it's weird to like put him yeah, in But the
1: thing is chris o'dowd's hollywood uglier
0: do you reckon i reckon chris o'dowd's quite i think chris o'dowd if you were a girl <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay.
0: and you met jason siegel or uh lovely Irish Chris O'Dowd at a party, I reckon Chris O'Dowd would have more... more. Does uh, one char- of them
1: have gross facial hair?
0: No. What, does, do you think Chris O'Dowd has gross, gross facial? Oh, he's a moustache. Well, the, that's
1: this. the whole joke of the film that he has right. a smelly moustache. Right. What are their star signs? There's a lot of variables you're not going into here.
0: Yeah, they go into the star signs so, and there's this bit... Is one
1: of them implied to be gay? <laughs> this is what I'm talking worthless? About.
0: I just hated this. <laughs> and in this overlong, stretched out runtime, like, cut the scene where megan fox gets with jason c also
1: also cut the whole film
0: <laughs> um, cut it. what other weird quirk in this movie i want to talk about as you mentioned um albert brooks and john lithgow before so albert brooks is uh plays paul rudd's dad Pete's father, and yep. pete's dad and uh a um john lithgow plays debbie's dad and uh debbie's been dad absent abs- has a whole new family right they so the the joke the joke of the film is albert Brooks. albert brooks has a youngish wife and they've got like sorry there's fireworks going off um they've got like uh three they've got test tube triplets right Mm -hmm. So there's three babies that they are... this is so fucking annoying. It's not fun when I don't want them to be doing it. I can see. I can't hear anything. Okay, maybe it's fine. Um, So the the whole joke is that Albert Brooks has three babies at such an old age, right? He has like three toddlers. Mm. And then then you get introduced to John Lithgow's character like half an hour later, who has a new family and also has young children and it's. Just, i was like what a weird thing to do twice what a like mm-hmm. like the the albert brooks one is supposed to be like a quirk whereas the john lithgow thing is like he has a new family but it has this yeah. unintended effect of them having like a double beat where they both have the same mm. you know character I'm about
1: to double beat your ass
0: <laughs> uh, i really liked a review for this film by robbie Collin of the daily telegraph he gave the film two stars out of five uh, he commended its premise but criticized its execution and said this is 40 is a comedy film about the hell of getting older in a place where aging naturally is the last taboo and i only wish it lived up to that utterly inspired concept every scene feels like an airbrushed composite of dozens of rambling takes and 133 minutes is drainingly long for a story this sitcom slight yeah I think that's a great way to put it This is 40 is our 13th Paul Rudd film, which I did not realize he's been in so many. So other than Knocked Up, um, he's also been in Ant-Man, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Captain America, Civil War, Avengers Endgame, Romeo Plus Juliet, Anchorman, Wake Up, Ron Burgundy, Anchorman 2, Night at the Museum, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, and of course, Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. (laughs) uh conversely this is only our third film for leslie mann who is in knocked up and george of the jungle uh bill hader um is in um so he's in bill haders in knocked up is like a speaking role but he's also apparently the guy megan fox is having sex with on the security tape Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which yeah. is a strange, weird why? Yeah, I don't know. Um, but th- that makes uh, this is forty his seventh appearance on film franchise Fortnites after Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs at one and two Monsters University, Night at the Museum two, um, and uh, Knocked Up, and Siegel's fourth film after Jason Siegel's fourth film after Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Knocked Up, and The Muppets, and John Lithgow's fifth film after Shrek, Daddy's Home two, The Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and Rugrats in Paris. And uh, finally, uh, me. this is Megan Fox's sixth appearance on Film Franchise Four Nights after Transformers 1 and 2, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles plus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows and that weird pre-fame cameo in Bad Boys 2 where she was still a minor but played a stripper yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I've got uh, one piece of dumb IMDb trivia for This oh, is 40. Be the film. Uh, it's not, actually, and, and it's more that I saw the, the trivia entry for something I was already wanting to talk about, and it goes back nice. to how much this film spoils Lost, right? Uh, this That's is what okay. it says. When the family is in the car, Sadie is watching Lost. The episode she is watching shows an explosion where Jack is thrown from the impact. This episode of Lost takes place in the final season, season six, episode 13. There are a total of 17 episodes in season six sadie says that she has eight more to watch but it should only be four she also says there are 114 episodes altogether where there are 118 episodes to total i had the same thought she was like i've I've got eight episodes left and i was like but the clip we just saw was from the last recruit which is like one of the last episodes you don't have eight episodes left
1: (laughs) that's so easy to check as well
0: yeah it's such a weird thing to get wrong because obviously they got close enough that they looked it up yeah you know, so like why yeah. not make it accurate? You're already comprehensively telling us everything else about the show. <laughs> uh we talk about titles a lot on this podcast, Richard, Good or bad, bad or good. Do you think this is forty should have been called knocked up Two because they do get pregnant in it at one point.
1: Well, uh, yeah, it's a spoiler for the film though.
0: A spoiler for a, for this film? Oh no! For a film that sucks.
1: <laughs> um, no, I think this. Uh, I think Knocked Up should have been called This Is Pregnant.
0: Oh. That's a t- new tag. I did not think of that. Well, mm. Knocked Up, uh, apparently... Or the, or the poster
1: to be them holding a test, uh, a pregnancy test and it says, this is positive.
0: <laughs> um, apparently, Knocked Up, the phrase, doesn't mean anything in most languages. There's no equivalent to it. So oh, yeah. I've got some fun foreign titles for Knocked Up for you. Uh, in Russia, it's called A Little Bit Pregnant. That's great. Uh, and in Brazil, similarly, it's called Slightly Pregnant. Nice, yeah. uh, but in Italy, they go the other way and call it Very Pregnant. <laughs> 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 and in Portugal, Portugal, it's called what looks like a New Zealand title. Uh, bloody Bad Luck <laughs> It's apparently nice. the Portuguese title for <laughs> Knocked Up. <laughs> Do you have anything nice. else that you wanted to say about any of the movies before we move on to the Meeting of the Elders segment? I,
1: I just couldn't believe how much I did not enjoy them.
0: Hmm i enjoyed the i enjoyed knocked up enough to be like yeah whatever and then watching this is 40 i now don't like knocked up as much because yeah of the- yeah it's
1: one of those things that i hate this so much that so i don't know if i ever liked you or anyone <laughs> involved
0: all right well now we're going to move on to a segment called uh the meeting of the elders which is where if you pay uh $15 over at patreon.com slash you get invited to a little secret discord channel where we talk about the fear- the the franchise at hand and we read out your comments so if, are you on the discord
1: yep yeah i can get us started yeah so bliss is 40 said getting my knocked up slash this is 40 thoughts early too early Yes. Dan from Hawaii says <laughs> No, no. Um posting them now mostly because I'm excited to share them. On Christmas Day 2012, me and my two best friends made our way to a midnight showing of This Is for Midnight Showing. Okay. <laughs> of This Is See Forty <laughs> I had never seen Knocked Up, but I will say that I didn't really think it was a necessary watch for this. That said, the experience remains to this day my favorite movie going experience ever. The theater was completely empty aside from us. There we go. So we were able to openly riff on the film as it went on. We laughed and we joked about the stupidity of the film. And eventually we were a bit fed up with it. The film was way too long. And we just kind of started talking about other shit as it continued. Eventually shouting, this is 40 minutes too long. Which was my review for the film. I'm just now realising what it looked like I stole that joke (laughs) and having a good laugh it was an amazing experience that we were never able to quite recapture due to theatres never being quite so empty I truly miss those times with all that said the film did have a certain charm to it as a coming of age type story it felt pretty genuine but it feels very slice of life and wasn't really a story that deserved to be in or even needed to be in theatres there's not really a hook or even synopsis you can really give the movie everything you need to know mostly is in the title they are for yep that's about the extent of it maybe i'll watch it again when i'm a 40 year old heathen who will totally get it one additional note is the laid-back nature of paul rudd in this film really led me to appreciate his rise to being a fucking avenger honestly he's the last person i expect to make that jump
0: Mm. interesting it's hard to see it's hard to see paul rudd as as never being capable of ant-man now though like it feels like yeah but yeah, no, maybe that's a good point.
1: Dan from Weiss says "Knocked Up" was a huge game changer for a New Zealand music label, Dawn Raid, and then plays has a little preview of "Swing" by Savage. Drop to the
0: floor and let me see your hip swing,
1: swing. Yeah, the song "Swing" by Savage was used memorably during the dance scene during their fateful night out. And I'm curious how the popularity of the song was something talked about at the time. And your thoughts on other New Zealand that makes New Zealand music that makes a big splash internationally? How bizarre! Yeah, it is bizarre.
0: I mean, swing to to put it into perspective. Swing is not a movie I associate with Knocked Up at all. I actually didn't remember the it song. was in it because sorry, no. yeah, because it's it was such a ubiquitous song in New Zealand for probably many 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 years before Two years beforehand. Knocked Up,
1: yeah, it's yeah th- this 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 was huge. It's got a great video of them at the washing um, thing, but yeah, it was it at a laundromat. It was re- it was re released, but yeah, it was it was this really funny thing that was like. Oh, yeah, that song that's been and gone from New Zealand, Mm, mm. making it big in in an international movie.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cheese says, when I first saw Knocked Up, I thought it was really funny. I expect on a rewatch it wouldn't age that well. I think I saw This Is 40 with my wife, and I don't know if we finished it because it was just kind of depressing. I've heard there's going to be a third one with the same director. What do you think it will be? What do you think it will or should be about and why? Very interesting to just try and skip us ahead to the continue the franchise yeah. section. So we will answer that question, cheese, just uh, after this section. Brenta Fatilli still hasn't changed his his bloody oh, username. He sort of scattershotted a bunch of thoughts, one of them being how weird must it be to have your entire family in a movie but Paul Rudd serving as the you surrogate? and he also uh said he thinks that i i kind of fucked you and finished is a very funny line
1: apparently. yeah uh, so craig replied to dan about the song swing craig is from new zealand my neighbor craig says this song was very big at the time if i recall correctly it was a hit in new zealand before the film came out but got a second run up the charts following knocked up the video is very funny savage was an interesting guy the rapper he did a song called "Moonshine" featuring Akon and a strange red-haired woman whose specialty was hip-hop violin. Um, great song, Moonshine. "Moonshine." I won't spoil it for you. 'Cause I'll be all I'm in the club with you, yeah. <laughs> right yeah, it's very by fun. My side. <laughs> yeah, there was like a time when Akon just came to New Zealand and did like yeah, a few yeah. songs. There's another one called "Keep on Calling" with P Money, which is mm. a great song. Craig goes on to say, as well as a track called "They Don't Know," which was notable for featuring a friend of a friend from university. In university, in its music video, she played the part of a catty, hot girl hip hop fan, while in reality, she was an ins- an insufferable hipster who listened to stuff like Bell and Sebastian almost exclusively
0: i really like that that uh, craig is saying it was notable for it's that. notable <laughs> for featuring a friend of craig's
1: yeah. uh knocked up was a fun film that i haven't seen in like 15 years i never saw this as 40 but i've heard it was pretty bad and as someone who's only a few weeks away from actually turning 40 i'm too scared to watch it a question do you think swing was picked for knocked up because it was the best song for the scene or because new zealand hip-hop would have been like way cheaper to license i think there's a there's a little column A, little yeah, a column yeah, B right. going on. I think that you yeah, there will have been Seth Rogan or someone will have just like come across this on maybe being in New Zealand and like couldn't stop listening to it, you know? Mm. One funny thing about Savage that like he seems like a fun guy. The main thing I was I remember an interview where um, on New Zealand radio or television with um John Owen Ben, <laughs> who <laughs> And they were talking about like, you know, when you go in for like the bro shake, when someone rather than putting their hand straight out perpendicular to their body sort of lifts it up highly and, you know, you're supposed to come in low. And then it's like, is it just this? And then like a click or do we, you know, do the half pad on the shoulder? Mm. And they were like asking Savage about this and Savage was just like, my dude the amount of bro shakes I've fucked up in my life. <laughs> and it was just like, it was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> nice. yeah, and Dan from Hawaii mentions uh, yeah the documentary Dawn Raid that uh, he they watched that went over the popularity of the song as well as the huge it got from Knocked Up and Savage was deaf covered too. And also says that, yeah, it's in the middle of the Venn diagram. about the, was it picked because it was good or because it was cheap?
0: Yeah. Meeting adjourned, I believe.
1: Meeting adjoined.
0: So the last fun uh, segment we have to do on this episode, Richard, is continue the franchise. Uh, But before we get to our own ones, director Judd Apatow stated he is interested in a possible sequel, um, shifting focus off married couple Pete and Debbie and moving it to their budding teenage daughter Sadie. Uh, Which, honestly... uh, sounds like an interesting idea yeah
1: but also um if she's 13 when when and this is 40 Mm. and and this is 50 would be 23 not a teenager whereas charlotte the eight-year-old would now be 18 maybe going to move out of the home
0: Wow, there we go there's your plot um is that your continue (laughs) is that your sequel idea
1: (laughs) (laughs) but also i just want to say you can't have a film called this is 40 and then okay let's be optimistic they film the thing in january comes out in next year you can't have a film come out 11 years later that and call it this is 50
0: well that sounds like what is going to happen richard because in march of 2022 uh avatar was an early development of writing a script with the film set 10 years after the previous title this is 50 god damn, do I not want to see three movies of a couple's relationship not getting any better over the yeah. period of of nearly 30 years. <sighs> yeah. um, I think this sounds like a terrible idea, Judd Apatow. And, you know, is Judd Apatow the worst director that has, like, this kind of caliber of film?
1: Mm. You know, like... It's because it produces some great stuff, and... Uh, going through his filmography, I like 40 Year Old Virgin, would be scared to revisit it. <laughs> Funny People's a bit of a guilty pleasure for me. Mm. I like Trainwreck and I really like King of Staten Island. And Trainwreck and King of Staten Island, he didn't write.
0: Yeah, King of Staten Island, I think, is his best film. um Yeah. Although I, I I don't know if I've properly seen The 40-Year-Old Virgin and I haven't seen The Bubble. So maybe wow. that's in contention.
1: The Bubble's garbage. <laughs> uh, he made a documentary called The Zen Diaries of Gary Shandling, which is like a tribute to Gary Shandling. Apparently that's incredible. Yeah, um, but
0: making a documentary but... is like a completely different like area. Yeah, exactly. Kind of and it's
1: also just like a love letter to a friend
0: of yours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my sequel idea, Richard, is Knocked Up 2. Uh, so I reckon make this in a few years Um, so it's it's set 19 years later um, and Ben and Alison's daughter now 19 gets pregnant Um, I think this would be a fascinating uh, to see a modern take on young mothers, it's been a while since we've like tackled that issue in society in a a blockbuster film blockbuster comedy um and i think it would also be fascinating to revisit ben and allison all these years later like are they still together did they manage to make it work because i doesn't i feel like they probably didn't but is that too cynical of a view i don't know like what like and you could use this i if i was writing the movie i would use it to like reflect upon the values that have changed since knocked up Mm. and and maybe rework it into some sort of apology for the things that it it, it, it's a little dated for now
1: how is two spelt in the title
0: uh that good great question i've just gone with the number but t-o-o might be the way to do it
1: Mm. um son of knocked up
0: (laughs) (laughs) so i explicitly uh, have a daughter in the film (laughs) yeah
1: i seed of knocked up (laughs) i i had a very similar pitch although my one is called this is 15 and it comes out this year
0: Right, there you go. Mm, Yeah.
1: Nice. And she gets knocked up.
0: (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now we're going to rank that franchise, Richard, which I I fear for uh, Knocked Up's chances over at letterbox.com slash copopture, where we have a list where we rank every franchise. Um, Where are we? FFF ranking. Um, Yeah, where do we think that, that Knocked Up and This 40 sit in the um pantheon of franchises covered on the show
1: i'm going to the second page Mm -hmm. i think it's below 100 Mm -hmm. yeah like okay what do we think about like how it compares to something like coming to america
0: Uh, i think coming to america is better than the series on the whole what
1: about camp rock
0: i think it is um i think knocked up is better than camp rock
1: (laughs) yeah okay so somewhere in between those two
0: Okay, so where's Camp Rock? What about
1: Legally Blonde?
0: Mm, oh, I keep clicking. Oh, the wrong that was straight f- down by Legally Blondes, fucking though. Movie, yeah, that's what I'm thinking.
1: Mm. Okay, let's go. What about between 101 Dalmatians and Legally Blonde?
0: Okay, let's do it. All right, so Knocked Up is 112. number twelve. hundred and twelve. Number 12 as the 12th best franchise we've
1: ever was. <laughs> and, and we can't change that. All right. Time to reveal our next franchise, is eh? it?
0: Yeah, so thank you so that's the the 112th uh best franchise we've ever watched um thank you for listening everybody we are about to reveal the next franchise that we've got to do but before we do that if you liked this episode please consider liking us at all the places you can do that on instagram or twitter at colpopsha and also if you want to get involved get in the discussion hop on the discord which there is a link to in the show notes and uh and we haven't been putting this in the the intro to the episodes lately since i got a new laptop and have been editing without it and uh, without the the Intro: We have a Patreon. It's called patreoncom slash sure If you go there, you can tell us which films to watch. You can tell us you get two ex- extra exclusive podcasts a month, and you also get to uh, do the whole thing with the uh, meeting of the elders. And you get to give us something to talk about in the post-credit scene, which is coming up very shortly. uh But Richard, usually right now is when we'd go to Patreon, and they will have selected, suggested, and voted on which franchise we do next. But what's happened today?
1: so tonight the winning one was let richard's mum pick we could end up with another indiana jones
0: referring to when my mother picked indiana jones Mm.
1: so i am going to call my mum now i'm going to put it on speaker you won't be able to hear she won't be able to able to hear me so i will have to um i have given her a heads up and i honestly i have no idea what she's going to pick she said she has two ideas oh god could be anything Hello, Richard. Hello, you're live on the Cult Popsha podcast. Hi, Maureen. Um, AJ can hear you. He said hello, but you can't hear him.
2: Right. Hello,
1: AJ. Hi. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, as as I gave you a heads up, you have been selected to pick our next film franchise. <laughs> have you Have you yeah. thought about it? Do you want to take us through I your have, thought process? I have thought
3: about it. I've got two. Mm-hmm because I don't think you've done it. And I think me and a lot of people might be quite interested in what you have to say about the films.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And the other one, a, that one's a relatively short franchise. The other one is a sixth movie franchise, which we've watched the first one and I'd like to know whether it's worth going on and watch all the others. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, your call, cool. what do you want to do? Three or six?
0: How
1: do we want to do this, AJ?
0: Um Oh, I'm so curious about both of them.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, we're 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 curious to know what both are. Don't necessarily reveal it just yet, but um
0: <laughs> I mean AJ, what do you think? My my workload this month makes me want to say, let's do the three film franchise, but is that changing? AJ's
1: saying his workload is leaning him towards the three film franchise. Right,
3: okay. Which okay. is one I really as I say, I don't think you've done it. And, and as if you have, then you'll be doing the other one.
0: Fair <laughs> enough.
1: Fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. All right, so should we go Sorry. with the three-form franchise? What, what, what is it? The Coordinator Trilogy. Ah. The Corneto Trilogy. We, yeah, I, I, that was one that I threw around that I thought you might pick and one that, yeah, we haven't done. Uh, that's obviously referring to, for people that don't know, that's referring to Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End.
3: Yep. Which I know that you have got quite a bit probably to say about
1: this films. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I've I've been teasing for years a story. Oh um, fuck! <laughs> between me and AJ from like a a pre podcast <laughs> thing that um, relates to that franchise, I'll be glad to finally tell that story. Mm. Um, is that the one? Is that the one that I know quite well? Yeah, but there's a little. Oh, um, I'm sure you've post- told you. <laughs> no, there's a postscript to the story. You know which involves AJ, which I don't think I would have told you. All right. Well, <laughs> um, well do you want to, so we'll lock in there, but do you want to reveal what the six film franchise was?
3: The Bourne, uh, Jason Bourne films.
1: Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. I've also only seen the first one. I've seen right, Jason Bourne. Yeah,
3: well, They've been showing them on TV. Your opposition.
1: opposition.
3: Hmm. Um, and we, I thought, oh, I good things. So I thought we'll take them. But, uh, are there I think six of one, them I, I think there's only five and i don't know if we could be bothered but yeah i really would like to hear what you've got to say about the George.
1: yeah i think i think that'll make for a good episode and it's keeping within the spirit of um the the the, the fans have dubbed this nice vember uh where yeah. we're supposed to just cover nice film franchises and yeah. yeah i think you know getting the matriarch of the martin family involved in that decision <laughs> to pick you know, a, a very sort of seminal franchise for AJ and I mm. yeah. is is a good, uh, is that like cool? All right, yeah, that's that's very good. Well, I'll, I'll let you uh, get back to. Well, we're watching the cricket. Oh yeah, how how are we doing? Uh,
3: hasn't started well for New Zealand.
1: All right, yes, as uh, as you know and as AJ knows, but as the fans may not know, I, eat, I'm on the edge of my seat waiting to find out how New Zealand does in the cricket tonight. Because if the clock strikes midnight and we have won the cricket in five hours, I will be getting up to go to the airport to fly to Melbourne. If we lose, I will be getting up in nine hours to go to work. <laughs> but, oh well, I wait with Basis to see how New Zealand goes. Yeah. Nice, to- nice talking to you guys. Thank you for Thank coming. Thank you, Maureen. Thank you. All right, I'll talk to you later. Thank you very much. Bye.
0: Hey, a real good dynamic for a podcast is three people but one can't hear one of the others.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I think it, it speaks to how much cooler your mum is than my mum, that your mum knows it's called the Kineto Trilogy.
1: Yeah, it nice, yeah. My
0: mum wouldn't even know, like, she'll she maybe remember Shaun of the Dead, <laughs> but I don't think <laughs> she would know that they're related to anything else. I would watch that, um, oh, what's it, Jacob of the Dead? <laughs> <laughs> Um, also the born the born series is five films which I don't know if they would have all necessarily right. changed by all right' by choice, out, but...
1: Moraine, you've been called out. <laughs> so um, yeah that, that's a fun one and and that is one that I, I introduced my parents to as well and they're both um, fans of nice and you'll finally get to hear the story I've been teasing for years it's not a good <laughs> t- I'm gonna. One day I'm
0: gonna use all all the effort i have and all the influence i have to downplay how good the story is (laughs) it's not that good it's just richard holding something over me but i didn't even remember i didn't even remember yeah
1: you would forget it conveniently
0: (laughs) well thank you very much for listening everybody um stay tuned for the post credit scene that's going to come at you after this music ends um and what's a what's a knocked up appropriate line to end end the episode on it's i got to get married! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome along to the post credit scene, everybody. This is a segment at the end of each episode where if you donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash coldpopshire, you get to give us something to talk about in this, the post credit scene. Richard, can you tell me, who is it from how and to what get, is it?
1: How to get to Sesame Street. Mm. Uh, sure, again, this comes to us from Ruben, and it says, Have you guys watched The Boys yet? <laughs> well i mean i watch the boys bloody every night uh, my cat i call i call our cats the boys right. but no the boys the tv series on amazon prime also a seth rogan thing he um executive yeah, produced true. it but the yeah i love the boys i think it's great uh i the i really really enjoyed the most recent season i thought Sol- uh, jensen ackles the soldier boy was a great uh addition and i kind of like that yeah it really made Homelander scary and a a proper villain again Mm. after season two sort of sidelined him a little bit
0: i I watched season one of the boys when it came out um and i wasn't planning on it i was i literally was just bored one night and was like all right fine i'll check it out Mm. and i watched all of season one thought it was really good um then i I was a bit late to season two maybe like, like like half the season was out i watched the first episode and i was like I do not remember any of this story, mm-hmm. um, and so I was like, "Well, I'm going to have to rewatch season one," and I never did. So that's as far wow. as I've got. But I'd like to. I think yeah, I'd, no, it's, I, a, I'd a, like it's a very fun show. show. I think um, it's awesome that Anthony Starr is a is the probably TV's best villain at the moment. Mm. So I think that's cool. Um, and you'll
1: get the context of that TikTok sound where it's like, "Fab, Fab Freddy told me everybody's fly yeah, DJ well, yeah. I said,
0: "My ma, ma. yeah, yeah." I, I've been wanting to that. That was. Like, a, oh, this is from the boys, kind of moment. But yeah, mm. great question. We need more questions like this in the postcard. Better just
1: have you watched this thing? Uh, well, anyway, so that is us. I guess I'm going to go watch the cricket. <laughs>